Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Coming up in about 20 minutes, Ellis Williams going to join us. Uh, also, apparently, I told you guys earlier today, Ross Tucker was going to be on at 1220. Uh, no, Ross and I had agreed to noon today, and I had completely mixed up times. So the fact that we're going to carry the Baker Mayfield press conference at 1230 actually isn't going to impact Ross at all. He'll join us at uh, noon, Baker Mayfield presser at uh, 1230. What do you want to hear out of the Baker Mayfield press conference in the Scott Fitterer press conference? Um, well, cheeks got clapped in a corresponding roster move. Now that Baker Mayfield's transaction is now official, Darren Gant tweeting out, the Panthers have waived rookie quarterback Davis Cheek from Elon to create the roster spot. My prayers go out to Julian Council. Uh, one of Elon's uh, big names, one big alums. Uh, my prayers go out to the Cheek Nation, if it were. It's not always easy when uh, when Cheeks get clapped, but in this case, it's best for the Panthers that them Cheeks did, in fact, get clapped. Good, good luck in the future of Davis Cheek. I think you could start a podcast either calling it uh, Clapping Cheeks or getting cheeky with Davis, if you he, if he wanted that kind of thing. So that is the latest there. Baker Mayfield will be introduced at 1230. We're going to have it right here on Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. We also uh, are going to uh, have the news about a Davis cheek. I feel like KB is going to do a full segment on that one. I feel like he's going to allow, he's going to cede 20 minutes of time to Julian to just unload on the Panthers for this uh, this this crime against Elon. In the meantime, we're just talking about the the changes. That, I mean, it's not even changes. The Herculean changes going on in college football. And outside of that, like the NFL makes their little changes here and there, their tweaks, right? Uh, Major League Baseball makes their tweaks. Outside of college football, the league that does the most seismic change on any given season over the last decades, been the NBA. There were the, the, in the last 20 years, there were the changes we didn't really realize how significant they were. Like when hand checking went away 20 years ago, all the old NBA heads were like, it's going to change the game. All It's going to change the game fundamentally. They ended up being right, by the way. They were like, who the hell is going to be able to defend? In fairness, uh, that was also just not just because of hand checking. There were people just stopped caring about defense. But like the NBA yesterday voted to keep the play in tournament here to stay. And to me, in the city of Charlotte, we should love this because the last two years, the Hornets have been in the play in tournament. They would not have been if not for. Because they were the 10th seed the last two years. Going into that, they would not. They were in the second play-in game. They they would not have been in there. We would not have had a glimmer of hope. Our season would have ended earlier. And Because I've, I've seen people say, well, it doesn't really matter if you end up not being in a seven-game playoff series. If right now, if the Hornets had won the play-in game 
and had been in a seven-game series, even if they got swept, even if they got run out of the gym in a seven-game playoff series, James Borrego would still have a job. So I like the play-in tournament because it offers a variety of outcomes. Usually, it's just you're racing to figure out who's going to be seven, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. But the implications of the first six seeds get a seven-game playoff series and the value of that, the implication of being either the seventh or eighth seed or the ninth and tenth seed, the difference between eight and nine, I think we have seen a positive impact on the NBA. I did want to throw this out to you guys. So the NBA has uh, has set the play-in tournament going forward. Do you like the play-in tournament? Do you think it's been a success? Because I, I kind of draw the corollary to the uh, increased NBA draft lottery. Like the NBA draft lottery this year, guys, was a dud if it's you and me. The Hornets were outside of the top 10 in lottery odds. They ended up getting the 13th pick. Okay. But two years ago, the increased lottery odds let you jump from 7 to to 3, which got you LaMelo. This idea that increased lottery odds means tanking is completely useless will never happen. Because the very result of having 14 teams could have the number one pick, it's too much chaos for the NBA. But giving teams, you know, four through 10 more of a chance, you only really need like one out of every three or four lotteries to be chaotic. For one team, two teams to jump from the top seven, the top 10, the top 12 into the top one, two, three, or four, you only need that to happen once every couple years to make it interesting. Because that's what you sell. In the NBA, you sell hope. That's all sports leagues do. Hope is a drug for you and me. The Charlotte Bobcats and the Charlotte Hornets have been god-awful since coming back in the NBA. The recent hope that we've been sold, though, is because of the NBA draft lottery, you got LaMelo Ball. There's no greater hope than the lottery helped you win the lottery. <laughs> the lottery helped you land a superstar you otherwise wouldn't have gotten. And that's the same thing that the play-in tournament is. I'd like as many options on the table that can happen. The idea that a team can either be the sixth seed and have a seven-game playoff series or the tenth seed and have to play twice on the road to go to the playoff series, in the next two years, if it continues to stay static, right, Seven and eight end up seven and eight again. Well, it's probably the play in tournament's probably gonna lose its luster. It really only takes one ten seed to make a seven game playoff series and then make it interesting for the play in tournament to, to really catch fire. As it is, I think it's I think it's completely reinvented the stretch run of the NBA. Seven oh four five seven zero ninety six ten. So the play in tournament is here to stay. As a Hornets fan, as a whatever fan you are because i know we have fans from other teams as well do you like the play in tournament this is not well that sucked for the hornets so it's it's no i think it's been really successful for the nba i also think it's interesting in the midst of this i think this paves the way for the thing that adam silver really wants to happen I think Adam Silver had to decide in the NBA, rather, not just Adam Silver, because he's one one cog in the machine. It's a very powerful cog. 
I think this I think this gives way to Adam Silver and the NBA to fully contemplate what a midseason tournament looks like. And I was thinking about this this morning, walking around, getting some coffee, just it was kind of like in between because we we do like four different show meetings here. There's Itty Bitty Fitty and I setting the rundown. There's then there's another meeting after he gets back from putting the sound in where we kind of continue to talk about, and then the modif- the the rundown gets modified, and then we try we have another show meeting about the five questions. Well, in my in between our show meetings, one of the things I really thought about is. If they wanted, because I am I am staunchly anti-in-season tournament. I actually think it worked perfectly in baseball. If you found a way to make the an in-season tournament bust up, if you if you cut the Major League Baseball season from uh, 162 games to 130 games, and in the middle of the season you had a mid-season tournament that culminated in All-Star Weekend. And it was either single or double elimination. And there was some prize. Something realistic. Not something as stupid as home field advantage. But if there was an auto bid on the line for one team in each league. Yes, it would add spice to the the Major League Baseball 162 regular season games. I actually think, because that's initially where my mind went, was I still think Major League Baseball could benefit from that midseason tournament more than the NBA could. But I think that, to me, is what it's going to take. This whole idea of we're going to give players an extra million dollars. Guys, have you seen James Harden's Instagram? That guy randomly hands out a million dollars in a duffel bag to his buddies on a plane to go see some strippers in Miami. An extra million dollars, like those guys are the the upper echelons, the stars, the guys who are really going to move the needle on whether an in-season tournament works or not. They have so much money, they're just giving it away. A million dollars would be nice. It's not going to be the end. These guys have a million dollar car. I don't think money is going to make the players more invested in that game. But I think an automatic bid... I think absolutely. One automatic bid in each conference to me is the way to make an in-season tournament make sense. But then I would want it to be done by conference. So you're going to have the East tournament and the West tournament. And maybe whomever wins. So each each team that comes out of their conference gets a top six bid. And maybe whomever wins the whole thing gets a top four bid. Because let's be honest, guys. The Detroit Pistons last year weren't going to win that scenario we just talked about. Most teams, most teams that are going to be in the the playoffs are, are sorry, most teams that are in the running and rebuilding, they're not going to win that kind of tournament. That's about the only way I think you can make it interesting. Itty bitty fitty, you are one of the big basketball aficionados here. Uh, are you just real quick here? You don't have to give a huge explanation. Are you pro or anti the in-season tournament, which I think is the next follow-up after you get the play-in tournament done? I'm like you. Like, when they first proposed the idea, I was like, it, it kind of sounded stupid. But I, I think when you when you outline what, what it entails, they need to, something to spice up its regular season. Same thing with Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. And for a team like the Hornets or the Knicks that I'm a fan of, you you could sell me on that being something that I'd want to tune in and watch. So for you, what's the hook? Because that's really like you and I are going to watch because we like the NBA. 
because we have fandom. I really, I, and I, was, I, was, I even after the Borrego firing, I'm I'm going to be a fan of the Hornets going back to Cleveland. If it's Cleveland versus the Hornets, I'm probably going to want Cleveland to win. But outside of that, I'm going to root for the Hornets to have as much success because I'm going to root for the Queen City. So I'm going to watch that kind of tournament anyways because I love the NBA and I, I got two teams I really like in the NBA. But it ain't about you or me. It is about the fan. And that's where I think the idea of an automatic play-in, an automatic top six bid, an automatic uh, you know, top four bid for the team that wins the whole damn thing, I think that's about as good as you're going to get in terms of buy, getting the average fan to buy in over time. It'd be cool if they could separate it between the playoff teams and the non-playoff teams. That way, the non-playoff teams, if you win, you have a better chance at getting the number one pick. Kind of like what the NFL should do with the Pro Bowl is have the two worst teams play for the number one pick in the draft. So if you're a playoff, so basically at the end of the season, if you're a playoff team uh, and you won the whole thing, you get a top four bid. Mm -hmm. If you are a non-playoff team, you get like five extra percent at getting the a top three pick or yeah. something like that. I mean, like like the hook's going to be, and I think it has to be a top four because that means you're hosting a playoff series. Mm hmm you you put in there you win this you're hosting a first no matter record whatever yeah you're, you're hosting a playoff series that's that's gonna swing you know that that's gonna do something for a lot of teams that are very good at home but very poor away from home well and that's so that's what I was so what I was proposing is one I would want east or west right I would want it to be because I, I wouldn't want two teams in the east to be able to be guaranteed you know what I mean right so you go east or west and then if you come out of the east, and you come out of the West, each of those teams is guaranteed a, a, just a seven-game playoff series in general. And the kicker in the championship game in the midseason tournament is whomever wins between the East champ and the West champ gets a guaranteed top four seed. Now, are you wanting this to be done at the site of the All-Star Week? Or are we going like full bubble where we, we have a remote site where we put these teams up for two weeks? I mean, I think a way I, – I really think take – I hate bubble ideas because it takes – the action away from the fans. Mm -hmm. I would love, and it's it's not going to be perfect, but the idea of either having a hub that goes like, you know, one year this this division or this conference or whatever is going to be in Atlanta and then Charlotte, like that kind of thing, almost like conference tournaments, that's more what I'd like. But I don't. I wouldn't want one giant hub. I wouldn't want to, nobody. In I don't think anybody wants to redo the bubble. So the latest here, the the NBA play in tournament is here to stay. Do you like the play in tournament? Do you think it's been successful? I do, because it's not just about giving the ninth and tenth chance or ninth ninth and tenth team chances to to go into the playoffs. It creates havoc usually from anywhere from the 4th and 5th seed all the way down to the 11th and 12th seed. That keeps more team in it. That has more possibilities, more intrigue, and that's what I think. It, once a year or once every five years, it needs to hit and give us something we haven't seen, but I love the way it's done. And also, are you in favor? Because I feel like this does pave the way for an in-season tournament. Are you in favor of that idea? Ellis Williams of the Charlotte Observer explains what he wants to hear from the Baker Mayfield press conference next on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Welcome back to the Nick Wilson Show. Charming or chat. Coming up in about uh, 20 minutes, we've also got Ross Tucker. 
in 40 minutes and then the Baker Mayfield press conference at 12.30. A loaded next uh, two hours of the show. The 1 o'clock hour is going to be great. We just don't have Baker Mayfield's press conference, Ross Tucker, or our next guest. Uh, he has been a Tuesday regular since, uh, I want to say, January. And uh, this will be my farewell with uh, Ellis Williams as a Tuesday guest on the Nick Wilson show as hashtag shut it down. we got four more shows left of the Charlotte Observer, the Panthers beat reporter. Ellis Williams joins us down the guest line. Uh, like Celine Dion once said, Ellis, my heart will go on. My man, just because a song ends doesn't mean it wasn't enjoyable. I will remember the times coming on here, being with you, chopping it up, and let's look at this as our last dance. We got one last crack at this. Let's do it. Well, and uh, the good news about all of this is if I'm leaving, it mean it means my G's are up. You know that that anybody Fitty's G's are up, and I mean, you're the only guy on the Panthers beat right now, so I know your G's are up, so we're leaving this. Like, we're more successful now than we were when the, when our everyday Tuesday or every week Tuesday hit began some six months ago. That's pretty powerful. Us three, geez, man, that's all you can ask for, right? So let's get into the Baker Mayfield press conference coming up in an hour's time. Because I believe Scott Fitter will also be speaking at the same time. What do you want to hear from Baker Mayfield, or is there anything you want to hear from Baker and or Scott Fitterer today when they talk about this move and how it was made and, and Baker coming to Carolina? Uh, yeah, I'm interested in a few things. I think it'll be interesting to hear what Scott has to say about just like how the trade kind of came together, why Baker Mayfield, uh, what it means for the quarterback competition, some stuff we've inferred, but to hear it. Uh, from the source and just the way they frame that. From a Baker Mayfield standpoint, uh, I'm curious as to how he'll answer taking that $3.5 million pay cut. Um, you know, I, I suspect it'll be along the lines of him just wanting to get somewhere where he felt wanted and can win. You know, we'll get a lot of cliche out of this um, with it just being, you know, the first press conference and that's virtual. Um, this, I suspect, to be a bit cookie cutter, but there are, there are some points that I think it's important for Baker to hit um, about just coming in and wanting to prove himself. I think that's the, the bar he should set. And then we can start seeing bravado Baker and, and camp and that fire and that lighting. Once he gets uh, some chemistry and some uh, confidence with this group for this first one, I, I are going to get a cool, calm and collected Baker Mayfield. Who's just going to be honest and, 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 revealing about how willing and ready he is to come to Carolina and just get to work. Everybody has a plan until David Newton asks them a press conference. I've said that for a while now. Ellis, let's go to, let's start with the quarterback competition thing. Are you buying that there will be a quarterback, a legitimate, honest quarterback competition for the Panthers this year? I think it starts open and legitimate, uh, but the moment Baker does, the slightest thing that just stands out or pops or as his, as he starts getting more comfortable with the offense, as soon as the the staff, Matt rule, Ben McAdoo feel comfortable with Baker taking those first reps, uh, out repping Sam, I think it'll just drift to Baker. Like, I don't think there's going to be this one moment in camp or in a preseason game where we're like, Oh, that's when Baker won the job. You know, like, I I don't think it's going down like that. I think they, 
I think it would make sense to have a, a, a preconceived plan that, like, all right, this is open, but you don't trade for a guy with the impression that he's just going to come in and be your backup, someone with the resume and, and pedigree of Baker Mayfield. So, like I said, this will be a, a job that starts open. We'll talk about the back and forth for maybe the first week or two, but then you'll just slowly Baker get more reps, and you'll see Baker start to bark a little bit more to his players and just skip in as he gets in control of that offense. It'll just quietly become Baker's team before any starters are ever announced. That's what I'm suspecting, at least. Ellis Williams of the Charlotte Observer on the guest line breaking down uh, the Baker Mayfield trade. And also, we're doing this in advance of the Baker Mayfield press conference, which is going to be on the station in one hour's time at 1230. We're going to be carrying that live here on the Nick Wilson Show. But as we get ready for that, um, you know, a, a fourth or fifth round pick and $5 million is a pittance to acquire a starting quarterback, even for only one year in the NFL. So I'll ask you. If we if we just started the next year, what's the bar for success for the Panthers in Baker coming out of this trade? I think that it can be a bit of a moving target. Like the, it, both the Panthers are in a, that Baker Mayfield is also where they need each other right now. How long do they need each other? That right now in the these two need each other desperately. Quite frankly. Matt Rule has a, a year three opportunity. I think he'd get to now that he has this chance. Uh, another five win season is out of the question. This team needs to make serious strides to being a playoff contender. Baker Mayfield needs to get back to showing people he's more of that 2020 version of himself who can protect the football, you know, throw single digit interceptions and, and flirt with 30 touchdowns. Uh, he needs to throw anywhere between 32 to 3,800 yards, depending on you know the, the amount, the volume of throws that Ben Mack is going to be calling. Um, and this team needs to allow its playmakers to succeed and carry the offense, the Christian McCaffrey's, the DJ Moore's, and putting their defense in such horrible situations with turnovers and, and partly the special teams, which they've revamped and will have nothing to do with Baker Mayfield. Point being, collectively, this team needs to come together now that they finally got the last piece of this long offseason that has been a, a revamp. The, like I said, the special teams, new punter, new returner, bringing back kicker, the old line completely remade. The last piece that was missing was Baker Mayfield in what is now Matt Rule's promised year three turnaround. So here we go. This is it. The pieces are in place. We're going to the training camp here in two weeks. Uh, for this to be something that past this season, that's a decision that Carolina doesn't really have to worry about literally until the season's over. Sam Donald and Baker both playing on NBA-style expiring deals, and they have Matt Corral on a, on a team-controlled four-year rookie contract. And they're going to have options, and they're going to be able to sit back and make a comfortable decision on who they want to invest in the quarterback position this season. But for the short term, Baker needs the Panthers just as much as the Panthers need Baker Mayfield. Ellis, there was a uh, a report out there that uh, that the Panthers had talked to Matt Corral about this move before it was made, and that there was uh, maybe I'm paraphrasing here, but a a promise that Baker Mayfield is a short term answer, and that Matt Corral was still the future. Have you heard anything like that coming from the Panthers organization? 
I've talked to some in the organization who are confident Mac Rowell st- still has a future in Carolina, and that is how they view uh, the room going forward. But uh, this game changes so quickly that I, I don't think anyone is all that worried about the future right now because you can't get to the future if you don't take care of the present. And the people inside the, that building are aware of that. So it just it makes sense to call the quarterback you selected, the quarterback you traded up for, the future of your organization. How tied are you to a third-round pick if uh, the, another quarterback that you already have in who is young themselves is playing better? Things can change and can probably change quickly. But I do believe that in the short term, Baker and Sam are going to be the guys tag to start, and Matt Corral is going to have a, a year to redshirt, really, and learn. He will have no pressure to come in and win the job now. He'll have no pressure if there's an early injury in, you know, in the first four weeks to the starting quarterback, because then you play in either Arnold or Baker, whoever didn't win the job. And Matt's just sitting there chilling and taking it all in, and probably as he should, considering he comes from the Ole Miss program that was quite simplistic in his reads, and they weren't huddling, and the signals on the side college football, you come into a very complicated and complex Ben McAdoo system, one that they everyone believes Matt Corral could thrive in, but that he's not quite ready for. So the future is really Matt Corral's only chance of playing whether Baker Mayfield was in Carolina or not. Now it gives him an even better buffer to just take a step back, become a pro, and like I said earlier, the team will reevaluate all of this, their entire quarterback room, once the season's over. Ellis, uh, let's move outside of the quarterback position here. How likely is it Carolina adds another significant potential starting edge rusher before the season? I think there's a good chance of it. Um, you know, significant and, and starter are, are qualifiers that I, I'm not sure which one is more accurate. Like, they may add a starter. I'm not sure it'll be significant, right? So the, the, the pool is thinning. Uh, I think more than a starter, they want another body, someone that they can rotate in that position, like like a hockey line that they just want to keep that D-line fresh. They'd love to have a an edge guy that can also play a little three technique and fight inside when need be. So they're looking for you know more of a versatile, able body than really uh, a, a name, in my estimation. Um, it, could that change? Yes, but I think regardless the position – of edge rusher will be addressed whether it's before camp or sometime during camp they're they're going to get someone else in there i'm pretty sure of that follow this man on the twitter machine at book of ellis and uh he is the panthers beat writer for the charlotte observer i'll make sure to keep in lock with his work as uh he's listen you got a hell of a future all right, uh, I'm going back to Cleveland. Who the hell knows where your future stop is going to be? Because you're onwards and upwards, my guy. Even though you know you're killing it at the Charlotte Observer, I'm making it sound like we're both leaving. Only me, uh, Ellis. You've been so great, man. Thank you for for joining us over the last couple months, and uh, thank you for always knowing whether our G's were up or down. Back to the future goes, Nick Wilson. I'm happy for you, man. I'm proud of you. This has been a blast, and I'll keep the G's up here, man. You know me and anybody you got it. Good man, good man. Ellis Williams there on the guest line. And uh, so a way you could look at this is, you know, Ellis came from the the Cleveland Plain Dealer. You could look at this as I'm just a much delayed player to be named later in the Ellis Williams deal. 
Because everybody keeps it like it's like in the NBA where it's like, all right, you know, Danilo Gallinari and uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich are going to be traded for. And then like two weeks later, the trades announced and there's like 52 names in it. Maybe the Baker Mayfield trade started in earnest with Ellis Williams coming to Charlotte. So it's Ellis Williams and Baker Mayfield going to Charlotte for Nick Wilson and a fourth or fifth round pick in saving about $15 million. I think that's how you should look at the Baker Mayfield trade. Good stuff with Ellis. I think this it'll be really interesting how he qualified the answer on the likelihood of adding an edge rusher, a significant edge rusher before the season. If they're going to bring somebody in from the money side of things, it's got to be somebody who's either either going to be a huge prominent. We're talking 50, 60% of the snaps off the edge or somebody who can actually start other like adding a, a third rotate platoon player off the edge. Doesn't really, or fourth. Cause you've already got Frankie Luvu, Marquise Haynes and Yitor gross mottos. Adding a guy who can be like the fourth guy to, I mean, sure, depth, it probably makes sense, but it doesn't make a lot of sense because that's going to take away snaps from a guy like Amari Barno. All right, guys, great stuff with Ellis there. A broadcasting giant leads off Charminger Chach on Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Is that you think so? That's what you career. need to do. Oh, no, Mr. Michael K. I'm on the air. I mean, worked at the fan before Michael K. I do Ranger games without Michael K. 16 years doing pre and post for the Jets. Guess what? No Michael K. I got a podcast that's in the top 50 in every country on the planet. No Michael K. I've got two kids. I've got a wife. 17 years I'll be married to her in September. Guess what? No Michael K. I've got hair that people would die to have. Michael K. Nothing. I'm a fabulous driver. Michael K. has got nothing to do with it. I'm one of the best friends you could ever have in your life. Zero to do with Michael K. Do not ever say to me, you wouldn't have the guts to say it to my face. Michael K's got nothing to do with what I am and who I am. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. That was uh, the GOAT, Don LaGreca on the Michael K Show, ESPN New York. Losing his mind uh, when a caller goes after him. And that leads off Charming or Chach. Send in your submissions. It, it, well, we're already doing the Don LaGreca thing. It could be something like that. It could be sports. It could be submarine rings. And we'll say whether it's Charming or Chach. I'm just going to go ahead and say I don't think it's 100% genuine. Like, I don't think he was that mad. But because like when he started going into he had me on the Jets pre and post, which is a weird flex. Uh, he had me on working at the fan first. He had me like he had the, the but when he went into my wife and kids, when he went into the hair driving fabulous best friend, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is kind of a bit. Don't care. It was fantastic. I I watched this thing like four or five last time, four or five times last night alone. This is charming as hell to me. This is gonna be charming because I took notes from that soliloquy he delivered for when the first week Willie P hosts in place of me. And, and people are just like trying to tear down itty bitty fitty because Nick Wilson's no longer, you know, twelve feet away from him. 
I'll have all these accomplishments ready to go that I've achieved without Nick Wilson. All right, what are you? What are your versions? What are the things you're going to scream out? Um, host of the Four Corners oh, no, no, podcast. No. Wait, wait, real quick. You don't know anything about <laughs> Charlotte sports. You need to shut your mouth. You need to learn to listen before you start talking. Original Bobcat season ticket holder. Uh, I founded Brooks Sandwich Shop. Host of the Four Corners podcast. All right. All right. But the things about the Brooks Sandwich Shop, nobody's going to buy that. You're 12. Like, all these things, like, okay, it's completely subjective of whether he's a good best friend or not is Don LaGreca. Like, these are all things. Like, I would be like, um, I can eat 12 oatmeal cream pies at once. All right. <laughs> I've been named the best barbecue in the Ballantyne area. All right. My wife says I'm the best lover she's ever had. Those are things that I think you could throw up. That nobody can really refute. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. When he really starts to go off the rails, like, I'm hosting two different day parts on Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. See, another thing. Hornets pre and post game board up. <laughs> Stanford P saying, had sex before flounder. <laughs> <laughs> Pagnata has nothing to do with it. Uh, uh, oh, my God. Coach Kyle, our couch. Uh, this dude does this. He put his name in a way that would specifically trip us all up, and I love him for it. Couch Coach Kyle saying, me leaving is chotch. That's fair. Uh, Kate saying, charming or chotch? Librarians. Did Mac really crap on librarians this morning? I've got to take about librarians. Uh, give us a sec. Give us a sec on that one, because I can tell it's Randy by the look in your eyes. Uh <laughs> Chris McLean is 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 looking down radio. Somebody working in radio is looking down another profession that isn't prostitution. That's interesting to me. I I, I don't I don't stand in a mighty dais and pow, like look down on librarians. One, uh, my aunt Wendy is a librarian. Uh, my buddy Jerry is a librarian. They're definitely so, a, a good deal of the librarians they know are not the most bombastic personalities. The most fun I've ever had. But the librarians I know are like the most upstanding people ever, and I'll be, I've never been shushed by a librarian either. So that cliche doesn't hold up to be true. So uh, librarians are charming as hell. I think they're chotch. Why? Uh, most librarians that I've encountered in the historic parts of the two states I've lived in, yeah, miserable. Which, by the way, the literacy rate in those two historic <laughs> places... So I can only imagine the literacy of any uh, librarians in historic Monroe or historic Lancaster. Continue. They're they're usually old. So you got a thing against old people. Yep. Old people are chotch. I'm an ageist. They're usually <laughs> miserable. How old is old, by the way, if you're going to be an ageist? Oh, he's really thinking about this one. He's really positive. Because we said, what, 40 was too old to be to become a parent. Uh-huh. Well, so, no, no, no. You said that. Yeah, but you actually agreed, so it was a weak no, thing. No, 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 no. No, I then revised the take to say, for, I mean, biologically, 45 years old was about the, the point of no return. So, like, well, I mean, once you hit 65, you're old. Okay. So, does this explain your desecration of Mama's couch? <laughs> She's old. It's her fault. You got anything to say against Mama? I'm back, just saying. Back to my librarian take. <laughs> They're usually old, miserable people, or on the flip side, kind of like people who are named after uh, months. They are some of the most uh, 
sexually active people that exist, but usually not in a good way, if you know what wait, I'm getting wait, wait, wait. at. Wait, how can somebody be bad sexually promiscuous? Because they could have certain... Are you saying that librarians don't like don't use contraceptives? I mean, sometimes, like, you know, Jerry, the librarian, let's... He's what? been married since he was 20 years old. What do you got against Jerry the librarian? That's so, my homie. So was a certain uh, Penn State assistant coach, and look what we found out about oh, him. Okay. All right. Listen, say, say what you want about uh, STDs and librarians. No. Let's maybe not go to the analogy of Jerry Sandusky in, in Penn State. Well, All I was right? just trying to get at, like, you know, there, there, there's, there's a correlation there. Maybe which just is, a historic Lancaster and Monroe. Which is? But what it, is the corollary? Real but, quick here on Charming O'Chach. What is the very charming are, corollary? Are you trying to get me fired before you quit? No, no, no. I think you're trying to get yourself fired. <laughs> I simply for once am not moving on, and I'm going to allow you to go ahead and put that hook right in your mouth. What's the corollary between Jerry Sandusky and librarians like him to get freaky deaky? NASCAR Brad. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, I no. There, there's no either, way I can like, back off the take or fulfill the prophecy. I just can't say it on the air. <laughs> All right, uh, librarians are charming. You're a chotch for that take. <sighs> um, summer league rings, charming or chotch? Itty bitty fitty. No, it's it's chotch. Like like it's, what are, what are only, we doing? The only thing more chotch is. The NBA Twitter nerds that are like, this is going to be the the peak of several of these guys' careers. This is an opportunity. The people who took Summer League rings to the heart in the NBA media, hey, nerd, you're not going to get a Summer League ring for standing for the stupid idea of a Summer League ring. If your greatest, listen, if I, ha if I was in the Summer League and I won a ring, I'd be very happy. It'd be good. It also wouldn't be something I put on LinkedIn. It also wouldn't be something that I, oh, this one's going in my trophy case. I'm going to put my Summer League Championship ring in a case. It doesn't matter. It's lower than the USFL trophy. It's lower because you know what? Those leagues actually matter to some degree. It's Josh. It's, yeah. Ooh. Uh, bang Bang Niner Gang, which is a very charming name. Saying, uh, Willie P taking over your time slot. Well, he'll be filling in on the, the intermediate there. So if we're talking about him him filling in that spot for charming. a while, that's very charming. Willie P, uh, I really, I got to say, the guy that showed up two years ago and the guy that is there now, it's completely different. He's so much more confident. He's having so much more fun. I'm really, really, truly proud of my guy, Willie P, for the work that he's put in. And by the way, the work that he continues to put in, not just for the station, but for him, his own love of his craft. I think that's awesome. Glenn also doubling down on Willie P taking, or not taking, but filling in next week, saying he's going through the ringer. Charming. I want, I don't want to make his life next week hell because I enjoy working with, with, uh, I'm Palachik, but we're going to have a lot more fun. <laughs> Tar Heel B, or Tar Heel B saying the 65 gets more ass than you. Chach. Nope, that's charming. No, Chach. Are you telling me that... Show oh, your so, work. So, well, no, it's easy. You don't get butt. You are... <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say, you don't get laid. So, so by by just process of elimination, if a if a sixty five year old's getting any booty, they're getting laid more than you. 
If we put up your yearly numbers versus the average 60-foot, you don't even understand. Old people, not only do they love to get freaky-deaky, they've been doing it for 50, 60 years. They know how to get down, so the repeat the repeat customer status is up there. Go into any nursing home and tell me older people don't like to get it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Meemaw, Peepaw, Pap Pap, Grandma, they're all doing the things that you wish you were doing on any given night. Pap Pap, random listeners, Pap Pap right now has got three dates lined up for this Friday, and he's just going to knock them out like Wilt Chamberlain. They might, There might be a lobby that they're waiting on. Oh, I'm just waiting for Papa. That's all I'm waiting for. I don't know I made them sound like Mickey Mouse. Send in your submissions. Uh, Dorita Steve saying, uh, wow, the train is off the tracks. That is that is factually a correct statement there. That is Charming Your Chach. When we come back, Ross Tucker of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast joins us. We'll get his thoughts on Baker Mayfield and Ma Ma and Paw Paw clapping cheeks on Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ.